Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. Our hosts are experts in obesity medicine and have collectively treated thousands of patients for obesity and are here to help you on your own journey. All four of us are busy parents, so we totally understand what it's like to try and live healthy while also trying to stay on top of the busy demands in our life. Thanks for taking time in your busy day to join us. As some of our hosts have medical licenses, we have a legal disclaimer to share with you. Here it is. Please note that our podcast is not intended to, and shouldn't be considered, a substitute for professional medical advice from a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. You should always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare professional with questions you may have regarding your medical condition. You should not rely on this podcast for medical diagnosis or treatment, and you should never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of our content. All right, guys, this is Cheryl again, and we are going to talk about this groundbreaking new article that came out from the American Medical Association stating that low-carb diets, there's a role for them in both weight loss and weight maintenance. And this is kind of a big deal for the low-carb community. Yeah. It's a huge deal. We, we, we the, Finally, I feel like there's some acceptance of the low-carb community and what the research which we have showing what a great option it is. And they're finally mm-hmm. finally coming to with yes, it, right? Yes, and they're Whereas finally before. saying, oh, look at this research that's been around for a decade. So what more. are the key points of this research, would you guys say? The, the, the biggest landmark that came from this article is that the low-carbohydrate and diet and what it can do for not just weight loss, but sustainability. Um, I think as a society, we're really good with weight loss. Really good. Like we we do really good with the yo-yo dieting. Yeah. But we haven't figured out how to sustain it. And this research is pretty legit and solid saying, hey, here's a way to keep it off for good. Yeah. Like we've said multiple times in previous podcasts that losing the weight is hard. Don't get me wrong. But it's easier than the maintenance because a lot of times we'll hit a point it's like oh i've done it i can now go back to my old habits i can go back to my old processes that took me so many years to develop no we've got to create new habits and knowing that the low the low carb diet or mindset or lifestyle i should say helped you get to that point let's keep going don't stop just because you hit a certain number on the scale or your metabolic health started to improve or you're now gotten off some medication or my A1C has improved as a diabetic. If something helped you get there, let's maintain it long term, basically for the rest of your life until it's like it's not working again. And maybe let's modify it from that point. Yeah. Um, in the article, did you have something to say? Oh, well, I'm just, I mean, we can lose weight multiple different ways, right? People mm-hmm. can lose weight. Um, but one of the big points I took away from this article is that low carb can is key or can be key for the weight maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to the lifestyle and sustainability, because some people argue that it's not sustainable. Um, but part of that goes back like the insulin levels. So low carb um, can help lower your insulin levels so that um, like I'm gonna mess up this, this word lipogenesis. You didn't mess it up. Oh wow! Look at this. Okay. Um, if you're if you go back to eating more high carb foods, insulin levels increase in lipogenesis. You're creating more fat cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, keeping your carbs low um, will prevent that and help with the main 
And here's one thing I didn't know that was mentioned in the article. It, um, it, it states, we know the energy expenditure or metabolism goes down with weight loss, but that ghrelin, which is known as our hunger hormone, increases as satiety hormones decrease. Um, we were talking about this earlier and why with surgical weight loss, do we see the opposite? Um, Dr. Rigby, go ahead. One speculation is that a lot of people who are chronically dieting and trying to put less energy in what we've always been taught about losing weight stresses our body and that makes it affecting some of these hormones where some people who have gained the weight and going, I've, I've seen family members who've tried it for many years. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go have my weight loss or have a basically part of my stomach removed. Part of the stomach that we're removing actually produces the ghrelin so you don't get hungry. We're actually making you eat because we've taught you to eat or told you to eat, but a lot of times they're not eating as much and as often. Therefore, it's showing down, helping with the weight loss, but it's not really affecting the chronic effect of us trying to shut down your metabolism. Gotcha. But that's all speculation. There is no studies out there proving that, but just thinking through the whole process, that would be at least one key factor in that whole metabolic aspect. If we have gained the weight and then you go straight to surgery, it definitely can help. Don't get me wrong. That weight loss surgery can help. But you can't just, oh, I've had my part of my stomach removed. I can go back in when I, when I start getting hungry in six to eight or 12 months down the road. Doesn't mean I can't go back and can go back and eat the same foods. I still have to work on it long term. Yeah, um, I'm a huge advocate for weight loss surgery. I think we need to look at it like any other tool or resource that we have out there. Um, it's not a cop out. It's not a weakness. Like it's a hard, it's a hard road to go. And anybody who's had it, and I'm speaking from what my patients have told me, is that it's difficult. One of the hardest things they've ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and and most of them would say that they would do it again. Yeah, but part of it is it's a step, or like you said, a tool in the weight loss journey, not the answer or the solution. Right? Or the right. Solution. People will gain weight back. Yes. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's I, a resource. There's no, there's nothing that we have that we can say, you know what? We conquered this. It's cured. It's over. Obesity exactly. is chronic. It's it's going to continue to happen. And so we have to keep fighting it to mitigate all the factors that come with it. Exactly. Because a lot of, I would say probably a fourth of my patients have already had some type of weight loss procedure, be it band or sleeve or wow. ruin why all the fancy terms for all these different procedures. And there's multiple other ones. But they never dealt with some of the other issues. So they have the weight loss. They lose some of it. And then it starts rebounding again. Mm -hmm. So that's where we have to delve in with that. And again, just because you're having it doesn't mean it's a solution. We have to work on all the other aspects. Absolutely. One of those aspects they mention is diet is absolutely vital. We all know that. Number one tool when we're losing weight. But activity, it's absolutely necessary. But what they are saying, and this kind of goes back to our other podcast, is that activity, when you're doing a low-carb diet, you don't have to be you don't have to do as much physical activity. It's unrealistic to think that somebody could maintain 90 minutes of exercise every single day. And you have to remember, Mm -hmm. whatever you do to lose the weight, we have to keep doing. So... Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, so it, if you're planning to do 90 minutes every day the rest of your life, maybe. That awesome. <laughs> if, yeah. if, if not more. It, it, yeah. But is that sustainable? Probably for most people, no. Yeah. Especially for busy parents or a, life, a working lifestyle. We get out of school 
it's got to be, or if you start getting a job, yeah, you can do it, but life gets in the way. So it's harder to incorporate that. And that's part of it. And I think one of the best benefits to the low carbohydrate diet is the the work it does with the insulin. And we talked quite a bit about what insulin is. And it's that, that hormone that tells your body, hold on to the fat or get rid of it. Yeah. Right. Um, and they mention in here a HOMA 2. Dr. Rigby, what is the HOMA 2? Basically, it's looking at your fasting insulin level and your, ins- and your sugar level to kind of give us a score. And the score, if I remember right, is 0.5 to 1.4 is considered normal. They give us a kind of range, but it's basically looking at your insulin and the sugar that it's, it's controlling. Right. It's kind of getting that ratio of how much insulin is having to be needed to control the blood sugar. And that's one, and again, this is me venting about other providers and stuff. Nothing bad, but <laughs> I wish we would do <laughs> I wish we would have doctors check your fasting insulin on a more regular basis so we can get some of this HOMA IR or HOMA 2 ideas so we can understand how much hormone we're having to produce to control the blood sugar. Doing right. an A1C, just looking at it, doesn't give us any idea. Yeah, it tells us if you're diabetic or pre-diabetic or if you're normal, but how much insulin you're having to produce to control it is a big issue. Which is important for providers because we there's no one diet, universal diet, that fits everybody. Exactly. And so if you're more insulin resistant, I'm going to be more inclined to put you on a low-carb diet or something similar than I would be going vegan, Mediterranean, or whatnot. But if you have a pretty good HOMA, then you might be able to get with just a low carb or mm-hmm. that Mediterranean because that ratio is pretty good. There might, but again, that's where maybe the insulin's not all the factors. Maybe we need to go delve into the thyroid. Maybe we need to look at our testosterone or estrogen or progesterone. Look at some of those other factors that play, definitely play a role because we are a system of systems. We need to look at aspects of some of these other systems. Right. That's all I've got on this article, guys. Awesome. Do you have any questions or concerns? Nope. Okay. <laughs> and if you guys out there have it, uh-huh. let us know. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us on the Why Wait Elevate podcast. We want to hear what you think about this episode and encourage you to continue the discussion in our Facebook group. The name of the group is Community of People Elevating Their Mind and Body to Lose Weight. Or you can search for our Facebook page, Why Wait Elevate, and our group is linked on that page. Also, if you found this episode to be helpful, can you share it with your friends that you think would appreciate listening to it? And if you found our podcast to be helpful, we would love it if you could leave us a review. It really helps others hear about this podcast, and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you.